Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how you doing? I'm good. We're recording on a Sunday. Yeah, we're pajamaing up, too. Pajamaing up, because uh, tomorrow I have a homegrown meeting. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, coming off of a very good, busy, yet relaxing weekend. Good, good, good. Like, I did a bunch of stuff, but it was all stuff I wanted to do. Nice. Uh, went and spent St. Patrick's Day at uh, the Gopher. Nice. Which is a local bar here. Uh, Darling Danger was playing. And, you know, like, I was like, it's St. Patrick's Day. I want to be around my friends. Susie was adorable, as always, wearing, always. like, a rainbow uh, shirt with, like, a green skirt and just very looking very... You know Saint Patty's Day chic, yeah. Um, but just decided to dip before things got rowdy. It was an early night for me. Nice. And then to yesterday went to Ides of March at Pizza Luce. Fantastic. And hung out with uh, Sean and Sam and Gage, and we played some games and ate some sushi. And Not at Pizza Luce though, because no, no, we, I have pizza. <laughs> yeah, but the Ides wasn't until later, so we yeah. we ate sushi earlier. Um, and then today I just did some laundry and cleaned and and relaxed. It was a, it's been a great weekend. Well, that's awesome. I uh I didn't really leave the house very much this weekend. I really wanted to go to Ides, but I just don't have the energy to like stay up that late. They're so late. I don't know what I'm going to do during homegrown. <laughs> Although on Friday, I have my consultation with my sleep doctor mm-hmm. to uh, see what the next steps are. So maybe maybe they'll be able to help me, having done my sleep study, and they'll be like, here you go, rest now. Feel, you know, recharged and have energy for once in seven years. <laughs> um, I did get a chance, though, to go to the Motorhead Madness at the deck. Wait, was that the, uh, the, there was a pinup contest there, wasn't it? Yep, there was, and a classic car show. Um, Steve's dad has a classic car that was in the show, so he's like, come hang out with us. But yeah, so we were there for a while, looked at some cars, which, I mean, you would probably get significantly more out of it than I do. No, I'm not a car show bitch. I would have been there for the pinup contest. Oh, yeah, yeah. My my main girl, Bree, was there looking like a badass in her striped dress. Oh, yeah. I think I saw her. Yeah. Yeah, she's baddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I the thing that I took away from it was how adorable I think it is when these car guys have like the tiny little Hot Wheels versions of their car on display with it. I'm like, "Oh, it's the baby." <laughs> and I was like, "I bet they'd be really mad if I said it like that to them, but the babies." <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they'd be mad. They'd probably be like, "Yeah, isn't it cute?" Isn't it cute? Yeah, yeah, I know. I asked Steve's dad whether or not he had one for his car, and he said, probably at home. I was like, and you didn't bring it? That's <laughs> been my favorite part is seeing who has the tiny version of their car. Yeah, I just, I mean, I work with cars all day. I just don't particularly care about them. Yeah, I like classic cars a little bit more. Apparently from like the 1920s and 30s are totally my jam. They're not very fast, but they're cool looking. Yeah, debatable. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, did you? I mean, you, you did the car show thing. Did, otherwise, you just pretty much hung out at home, relaxed. Yeah, pretty nice. much. Pretty hey, much. Sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, should I get started? Let's do it. All right. Well, I am going to tell you today about Pine Hill Cemetery. Ever heard of it? Mm-mm. So, Pine Hill Cemetery in Hollis, New Hampshire is the resting place of over 300 people. Uh, Find a Grave lists 320 at my last checking. It was originally donated by a man named uh, Benjamin Parker Jr. in the year 1769, so it's an old cemetery. Yeah. And it sits along the side of Pine Hill Road in the city of Hollis, obviously. And the reason I said over 300 and specifically listed the Find a Grave listing is because it's just a guesstimation. Okay. Um, when Benjamin Parker Jr. donated the land that is now Pine Hill Cemetery, it was because he had to sell his farm and that was part of the land. So he donated that. And the, the people in the area were like, we need a place to bury our dead, you know, like. Preferably not. 
in the streets. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so when it was donated, a lot of like they buried people there right away, and a lot of those older headstones uh, are like just worn away with age. They never got replaced. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a whole section of the cemetery. That is just blank. They know people are buried there, but they don't have any grave markers. They don't know how many people are buried there or who they are because they don't have the documentation for it. <laughs> well, I was assuming that you were talking about headstones that just like had worn away and you couldn't read no, it, but they don't of, even have them. Some of them just don't have headstones, but they, they know people are buried there, but they don't know who or. Yeah, and you don't really want to just go digging it up willy nilly like just yeah. to see. But uh, the more interesting part of this cemetery is the name locals have given it. Okay. Blood Cemetery. Okay. Why? (laughs) So it doesn't have the name blood for the reason you think. There's no bloody history. I was going to say, you don't know what I think, Kayla. When you hear Blood Cemetery, you're automatically going to think, ooh, blood. Yeah. I pictured those haunting scenes where, like, blood is dripping down the walls, but instead it's, like, the the tombstones. It's called Blood Cemetery due to Abel Blood, who has been buried there since 1867. Wow, he must have been something fancy if he gets a whole cemetery named after him. No, um, there's actually lots of people in that cemetery with the last name Blood. Uh, on uh, Find a Grave, there are 19 total uh, gravestones with the last name Blood. Total bloodbath. They all are listed as passed away from, like, the late 1800s to the early 1900s, varying in ages, like the elderly, some more younger, nothing super tragic about them. The reason Abel Blood is the name for the cemetery is because he is the one people know most about, and he is said to be the most active spirit in this cemetery. Ooh, I was hoping you were going to tell me about some sort of haunting. Abel lies beside his wife, Betsy. Elizabeth for is her formal name. And several sources accounted, though I could not actually confirm with real articles, like this was just sources that said local legend says mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Abel and Betsy were murdered. Oh. And that the spirit of Abel blood roams the grounds trying to find his way home or possibly locate his beloved wife. That's so sad. The locals lore states that they were happily married he was an individual who served his community and had was in good standing in his church. So it doesn't appear at any point that he's viewed that he's out to harm anyone. Oh, good. It's just that he's wandering the cemetery. Did So you just found an article that said that they were murdered, but, like, no information about it? There were No, I didn't even find an article that said they were murdered. I found oh. several articles that said local legend states okay. that they were murdered. Okay. Again, the eight, late 1800s. It's going to be hard to find documentation anyway. Right. Over the years, probably because of the pointing finger on his headstone, which I'll get to in a second, he's become the Hollis Graveyard's most famous ghost, as I said. People who have wandered there for thrills or for paranormal research swear that this finger carved on Blood's headstone points up during the day, like it's pointing to heaven, but at night... It turns towards the ground. (gasps) What? I will show you a picture of the headstone. Is it going to be a daytime picture or a nighttime picture? Daytime picture. Daytime picture. I found no nighttime pictures. Well, that is inconvenient. It's not sinister. It's just a finger pointing upward. It's not. It's interesting. But it is a weird thing to see on a headstone. Yeah. Right? Uh, It just says, Abel Blood died January 8th, 1867 at... 70 years, Betsy, his wife, died June 1st, 1827. It's like a, it's like an 1800s emoji. Right, right. Just a hand <laughs> pointing, pointing up. Just pointing up. It should be noted that the headstone no longer exists with the pointing finger because it was broken and vandalized too often. Somebody straight up smacked it and, like, cleared it. What the hell? Why? Because of the vandalism, uh, police have kept a bigger watch on the cemetery, especially on, like, certain nights, Halloween, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, um, the anniversary of his death, those kinds of things. How would you like to be on cemetery duty? You're just stuck on cemetery duty. Ah, oh, damn it. Now i got to hang out with the ghosts. <laughs> um, there is another popular account of haunting that occurs other than just the typical 
People see ghosts, people hear random noises, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is actually on the road that runs behind the cemetery, and the story involves a young boy. It is believed that this child and his family died in like the early 1800s, though okay. they don't have a name for him. There's not a lot of information concerning the family. But local legend states that they all died at the same time, either by accident or a murder. And it was somewhere close to Pine Hill Road in the cemetery itself. And then they were buried in the cemetery. And right. several people have claimed that they have seen this young child attempting to flag down vehicles for assistance. Oh, no. When the young man is seen and the like, the drivers stop, yeah. he just disappears. Probably because he did that, that after whatever happened and he tried to get someone to help him and no one showed up. That's so sad. Another local legend states that skid marks are often found on this road because when people see him in their rear view, oh, they slam, they slam on, the, on brakes. the brakes. Ah, yeah. Some people also claim that in the slamming on the brakes story, because when it was particularly popular in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. that they would actually be seeing Betsy blood instead of the young boy. Okay. But that's, again, a lot of this because it's so old is a lot of local legend. Right. Several individuals have visited Pine Hill Cemetery on ghost hunting trips. Um, some are paranormal like investigators, and some are just you know people trying to see a ghost. Us. Us, exactly. Um, and Fiona Broom, who is a New Hampshire paranormal researcher, author, and what she calls a blip analyst. I don't know what that means. Mm, me neither. Told New Hampshire Magazine in 2012 that a man she trusts witnessed the two finger positions in two visits to Blood Cemetery before the gravestone was damaged. Broom herself once found that she could not take a picture in the cemetery. Really? Yeah. She said, quote, I pushed the button and nothing happened. No flash. Just the film advancing. She tried it a dozen more times. Still nothing. After she left, she stopped down the roadways at a traffic light and once again tried the camera and then click. No problem. It started oh, working. that's so annoying. Was it really cold out? I don't know. It doesn't say. Sorry. I, w- when I was a photography student in college, uh, cold would make it so that you couldn't always take pictures. But I assume that, the, that that's not what she's saying. <laughs> no, she's saying that there must be some sort of EMF field around, like, the sem- EMF field. Electromagnetic field field? <laughs> so there must be some sort of EMF around the cemetery. Uh, she also says that further evidence is that there she's gotten reports of car radios switching when people are driving through the cemetery. Okay. And gas gauges being affected is apparently a big report. Interesting. In a more recent visit, a man captured what he thought might be Abel or Betsy's spirit on camera. Oh, so his camera worked. His, well, yeah, because it was 2021 when this happened. Okay. And so it was his phone. Ah. Uh. I think. That makes the most sense. According to an article in the U.S. Sun, Tyler Karanosis, K-A-R-A-N-A-S-I-O-S. I I like how you ask me how to say something. (laughs) So he was 26, and he took the image during his visit to Pine Hill Cemetery. He was out looking for something spooky, and he visited the cemetery with a friend. Uh And it wasn't long before he discovered the reason for the site's haunted reputation. Mr. Karanosis said, when we arrived, it was probably close to midnight. Some spots were cold and some were warm, which was strange. I believe a lot of it was adrenaline, but it is possible I was feeling the presence of a spirit. I don't like that. I mean, I get the cold spots, but the warm spots, it's like swimming in a pool that someone just peed in. Gross. (laughs) Just ghosts peeing everywhere. Gross. I noticed the figure at one point when I turned around. It moved quickly and scared me. And then I told my friend we should take some photos before we leave. So he saw the presence before the film. Okay. And that's why he started taking pictures. That's why he started taking pictures. Because he saw something. He said it moved quickly. And he was like. (laughs) Right. In one of Tyler's photos, some mist is visible between two rows of headstones. But when the image is brightened, the mist forms the shape of a person wearing some sort of cloak or shroud. Interesting. And I've got a series of pictures because when you look at it originally, you're just kind of like, okay, I don't know. And then you 
look a little closer and they brighten the image and then you can oh. see it more. And then he does a thing where he outlines it and you can really see it. Right. To be like, this is what I'm looking at. Exactly. Okay. So this is the brightened photo. Is it in that top corner? I think that is what, I think that's what you're pointing to. I'm going to show you the outlined photo now. Okay. So you can see if you identified it right. Boom, baby. I'm so good at catching ghosts <laughs> in pictures. <laughs> Alrighty. There we go. Here we go. So he said, I think it's the ghost of Elizabeth Blood. I think this because the spirit in the picture looks like a woman and happens to be standing behind her gravestone. Oh. That is their like gravestones in the photo. When Tyler shared the photos online, viewers suggested maybe it was just like the outline of another headstone. But another person who went back during the day took a photo using like the reference the, the reference photo. Yeah. And there are no headstones where they're saying this would have just been the outline of another headstone. Okay. Um, and he said he understands the skepticism, but he's convinced it was a ghost. He said, I truly cannot explain this photo naturally. The area which the figure is shown is not visible any other time. Really? It most certainly is the only in this picture. Otherwise, every other picture I've taken, it's just a space of grass. So he wasn't uh, just looking to take a few people's opinions, though. Part of what spawned the attention in the news articles is mm -hmm. because he posted it to a popular radio Facebook group called You Local New Hampshire. And he posted it with the caption, in the last image, I circled the outline of what appears to be some sort of shadowy, ghostly figure. Let me know what you think, New Hampshire. The post after that received uh, 1,200 reactions, comments, and shares. Along with local media coverage, many local commenters are sure it's a spirit. Uh, there was one person who said, that's definitely a woman in a wedding-type gown. Because we love ghosts in wedding gowns. We love ladies in white, in general. <laughs> Uh, another user named Susan Labrie said, I believe it. My son and I witnessed an apparition in that cemetery many years ago. It's well known for strange sounds and sightings. And a user named Kit Kat Sousa posted, looks like a female child, long hair and a long sleeve shirt walking away. So another kind of image of it saying that it's not a shroud, but like a long sleeve shirt and long hair. Okay. Skeptics also commented by sharing their own theories. Uh, one person said, you know, it's a smudge on the camera or a flash bouncing off a different tombstone. Uh, mm. Catherine S. Dragonfly said, it's either a light orb or more likely just flash bounce from a temperature change between your pocket and the outside. Okay. And uh, somebody which, who's super helpful just said, look, ghosts aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need to explain it any further than that. Uh, ghosts aren't real. Look, ghosts aren't real. But our man Carnassus uh, is too busy blocking out the haters because he still believes that it's right. a ghost. Well, I mean, he would know the, like, especially especially if he had all these suggestions, he would be able to be like, no, it actually wasn't that cold that night, so mm -hmm. it's not that, it's not this, I know it's not that. And there was no girl wearing a long T-shirt, so. <laughs> um, And, I mean, I think another part of it goes to... Uh, the fact that they actually went and tried to, like, debunk it. Say, oh, they like did. They went, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, when they went during the day and oh, took a photo yeah, for yeah. reference. And when mm -hmm. they took pictures at other pictures at night and they say it's not there in any other pictures. Right. So that does lend to more likely a spirit. Right. One paranormal investigator posted a recollection on the website nhtourguide.com. She said... I investigated Blood Cemetery before paranormal investigations were cool. I'm not like other girls. Um, they didn't put that. <laughs> I, I investigated Blood Cemetery before paranormal investigations were cool, before they were on TV, and before it was even socially acceptable to believe in such an oddity. All right, hipster. My friend and I talked about going there many times, but we always chickened out. But one cool evening in the fall of 1990, we decided to do it. We stopped along the roadside and walked into the cemetery around dusk and began looking around. We were there for about 20 minutes without seeing much. It was quiet at the time, almost an eerie quiet, but the longer we stayed, the more comfortable we became being there. 
We heard some rustling in the nearby woods that didn't amount to anything. We continued to walk around reading and admiring the craftsmanship of the headstones from an earlier time. As the sun was setting, I looked around and saw an engraving of a hand on one of the gravestones that had a finger pointing upwards. Okay. I didn't pay much attention to it at first. That is until I turned to look at my friend who was with me who wanted me to look in his direction. What he wanted me to look at seemed too boring in comparison to what I was already looking at, so I turned back to look at the stone with the engraved hand on it. When I looked back, the hand I noticed was leaking some sort of brownish, rust-colored fluid that was not there just seconds earlier. It had puddled up at the bottom of the egg-shaped, recessed area around the hand and began to drip down the face of the headstone. I have to admit I was scared, really scared. Not the kind of scared that people are laughing and having a good time, but this was nothing short of terrifying. Talking about it now seems almost silly to think of being scared at that moment everything was telling me to leave. I was frozen in fear, unable to even speak. I didn't even tell my friend I was leaving. I just ran out of the cemetery as fast as my legs could go. Rude. I leaped over the stone like an Olympian across the street and yelled for him to come to the car. He also ran towards the car knowing I'm not usually freaked out easily and I'm not one to be overly dramatic. When he got to the car, I explained what I saw. He then wanted to go see it for himself. He asked me to come with him, which I refused. I told him I would return at some point, just not then. He asked me where the stone was because he was going to go see it for himself. I explained where the stone was and demanded he leave the keys to the car. (laughs) He said I looked sick and asked if I was okay. I said I feel fine, but I wasn't sure of much as my adrenaline was flowing. He walked away from the vehicle, crossed the road, and went into the cemetery again. He walked up the hill where the stone was, and right before I lost sight of him, he arrived at the stone. He seemed to be in shock as he stared at the stone. All I could see was his silhouette in the fading light. It was just enough to realize he wasn't moving. Right as I was becoming increasingly more concerned for his safety, he suddenly bolted from the cemetery like a bullet running back towards the car. He tripped and fell on something, and without a moment's pause, jumped back onto his feet and ran back to the car. I asked him if he was okay after he fell. He told me someone or something pushed him. Oh. He mm. said it felt like a hard push on his left shoulder and felt it was very powerful and knocked him off his feet. We left the area and promised never to return. We stayed up all night discussing what had happened. His experience of the stone with the hand on it was exactly what I had seen and explained to him before he went alone. I later found out that the hand points down after sunset. I did not witness this as I was unaware that this happens or I would have maybe hung around a little longer, but probably not. The headstone with a hand on it became well known in the paranormal community and was replaced with a new stone at the end of October 2007. That's when they, like after it got vandalized. Right. Blood Cemetery. I walked in a skeptic but left a believer. Now, when my friend and I visit each other, we always talk about that night. We don't usually discuss it with other people because it was really one of those you had to be there moments. But when we talk about it, it is with great excitement, and our conversation always ends on with the ongoing joke, hey, you want to go back? And we both say nope at the same time. (laughs) Okay. I think that poster seems like kind of a jerk. Why? Because totally unrelated to the paranormal stuff. He's like, my friend wanted me to get, like, my attention, I was like, ugh, what you're looking at is so boring. I don't even care. And then oh, there was something else that he did afterwards, and I was like, what? And then when his friend wanted to go look at it, he's like, leave the car keys here, though, because if something happens, I'm leaving you. That's not the vibes I got at all. Oh, my gosh. It's the first thing that came to mind. Because uh, I'm sorry, if we're in a cemetery and I'm looking at something interesting, and you're like, look over here, and it looks like what you're looking at is boring, um, I'll acknowledge it, and then I'll go back to what I was looking at. I mean... And um, if you're bolting out of the cemetery and then shouting for your friend, you're not ditching them. You're just saying, hey, get over here. If you then, as the friend, decide you're going to go back into the cemetery, but I'm saying, nope, yeah, leave me the car keys so I can sit in the car. Well, he was already in the car. No, he was at the car. Oh, well, I mean, open the car, yeah, but. No, leave, leave me the keys. I'm not going to just sit in the car with all the keys on. I want to turn on the radio. Oh, okay, okay. I want to do something. I'm not saying I'm going to bolt on the car with you. I'm just saying, okay. leave me the keys if I'm going to sit in the car. 
I'm sorry. I think that his the the initial thing of like, oh my god, I did this before it was even cool, before there were <laughs> TV shows about it, and before and that. And I'm just saying that I don't think that. I mean, okay, maybe 1990 was before that stuff, but I've been watching paranormal TV shows since I was a wee child. Yeah, so it wasn't were, that much afterwards. You were still a wee child in 1990. I know. I was <laughs> five. <laughs> I think if I'm doing math correctly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, there were some comments from people on hauntedplaces.org. Uh-huh. Um, some ones that I had to alter a little bit. I tried not to alter them too much. But grammar. <laughs> grammar and spelling. I yeah. didn't fix the grammar. I mostly fixed the spelling so I could read it out loud. So these might still be a little rough. Yeah, so it didn't confuse you as you're attempting to read it. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this word? Um, a post from a user named Kevin in 2013 said, I think I've been there when I was in high school with a bunch of my friends. Me and two of my friends ran back into the cemetery. When we got back there, we felt and heard thumping on the ground. It was like other friends up front of the cemetery were throwing golf-sized rocks at us, but they weren't. Plus, there was a moon out that night, so we could see the ground pretty good, and there was no rocks that hit the ground. Us three all looked at each other and then said, do you guys hear that and feel that? And the rest of us were like, yeah. So we ran back to the front and left. After that, I knew there was a ghost because shit like that don't happen every day. It was cool to have that experience. Maybe someone was buried alive. Unlikely. Thumping. I mean, you would be able to see like a a grave being like fresh dirt and all that jazz. But but also six feet under and a... uh, what is it called? A coffin inside of they 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 put a coffin inside of an additional thing. Uh, not in the eighteen hundreds. No, this this was from twenty thirteen. I know. Maybe they just reused a coffin because people are all about recycling now. What? I'm so confused. <laughs> if a person was buried alive, uh huh, and there was like a fresh grave, you wouldn't feel the thumping, like. You wouldn't feel that through the ground, through the coffin, through the thing that they put the coffin in. Okay, hear me out. Original coffin, <laughs> about about six feet under. Dig it up, not the coffin, put a new coffin on top of the <laughs> old coffin. <laughs> put a person in it. But it's just, it's just a standard wooden coffin. Like, you wouldn't do something fancy for someone who's being buried alive and then you shut it you shut the the new plain wooden coffin so is this turning into a true crime thing i was thinking you were talking about like a normal like burial but you're talking about like somebody trying to hide a body by burying it alive at at, at an existing gravesite. yeah people don't get buried alive anymore kayla we embalm people Okay, no, I'm just checking. So you're talking like true, you're trying to make this true crimey and weird. It's, it's much scarier that way, Kayla. You're still not going <laughs> to hear a pounding six feet under the ground. It wouldn't be six feet. It'd be around three because it's on top of the old coffin. I'm not buying it. All right, fine. <laughs> Don't try to bring your true crime into my paranormal <laughs> aspects. <laughs> All right, um... A user named Tony posted in 2021 and said, I went here and was not disappointed. I had to taunt whatever lurks there for a bit. Don't do that. Don't do that, Tony. I had to taunt whatever lurks there for a bit, but I ended up finding out it's most active in the back left corner towards the end of the cemetery. I saw a pair of legs with no upper body walking out of the woods. Ew. Okay. I ran and I had to go through my videos to see if I caught anything on camera. There was no follow-up on if they caught anything on camera. Well, that's annoying. You guys got to at least update us. Later in 2021, another user who called themselves Lava Fangs, nice name, uh, said, So oddly, it felt like a child touched my hand, and a woman sounded like she said something I didn't hear her well. Sounded like it was off in the woods, but very interesting. So that could be the little kid who runs out to get help. Could be. Like, yeah. help me, help me. And then there was another post from someone named Marissa that I just, it's not spooky, but I just thought it was, it made me laugh. Update. They now have floodlights, cameras, and motion sensors at night. I always play safely and nice at night. I think this is a travesty. 
like you're sad that they better lit a cemetery <laughs> because you want to like how nice are you playing if you're sad that they better lit a cemetery for real though like mm-mm. uh-uh mm-mm. uh-uh maybe they're playing a isn't there some sort of it's called graveyard something and it's where you go high and in well, it's ghosts in the graveyard. Ray, go, thank but you. But you don't actually play that in a graveyard. No. No. No, you don't. That's disrespectful. I mean, some people do. You shouldn't. It's disrespectful. That's true. Other more vague reports just include kind of what we've heard. People feel something touching them. Um, usually it's just described as a touch, not like a shove like that one guy said. Right. I... Mm. Teenage boy, though, I can imagine that he was he would fall because he was scared, and he'd be like, no, someone totally shoved me. I wouldn't fall. And then um, people hear noises, usually around the idea of thumping, though there have been re- some reports of disembodied voices. Interesting. Thumping. That's yep. kind of a new one. So it was interesting that it came up as one of the most haunted places in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. But there's no, like, tragedy around it. It's kind of like we've talked about cemeteries are just generally haunted. But I thought it was funny that this one was a blood cemetery without actually having to do anything. With anything spooky. I mean, unless you take that one dude's story, realistic, where the blood was literally just, like, dripping down from the hand. Yeah, didn't say blood. Said rust-colored liquid. It's dark. I'm just saying, never That's actually true. said That's it true. was blood. Never That's actually true. said it was blood. I mean. So, on a skeptic scale of para to normal, yeah. para being five, normal being one, what are you going to give Pine Hill Cemetery, a.k.a. Blood Cemetery? I'm so sorry, Kayla. That one dude just ruined it. I'm going to give it a one. Why are you apologizing? I don't know. I don't know. apologizing to me for your rating? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kayla. That guy was an asshole, so. (laughs) No. Uh, I was going to go three. Because there's a lot of reports of the same stuff. And the fact that it is on several lists as one of the most haunted places. Yeah. But there's not enough evidence to make me go five. But I'm going to go three. I'm going to go mid-ground. I got to say, I love your skull pajama pants with your blue hair. Thank you. It's a vibe, and I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, geez. So, yeah, that was a that was a interesting one that I'd had, like, saved but not studied for a long time because I was so intrigued by the name Blood Cemetery, only to find out. It's no, just the last no name. Blood. It's just the last name. I was like, but, man, I'm kind of jealous. Like, when Sean and I came up with the last name Moria, I'm, and I'm so happy with the last name Moria, but you're telling me I could have been Blood? I could have been Kayla Blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I asked uh, Steve. Hardcore as hell. I asked Steve because we were looking at the uh, application for marriage online, and I was like, oh, I didn't even think about the fact that this this could be the time where we could change our name. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, except for... 75% of the people that I know just refer to him as Libby. <laughs> and I was like, maybe we have to keep your last name. Well, but you, like, you you don't have to have the same last name. <laughs> That's true. Like, I have tons of friends that got married, but changed, and they changed their last name, but didn't change it to the same last name. Like, you can change any aspect of your name that you want. I know. First, little, middle, or last when you get married. And you don't have to make it the same thing. You can do whatever you want there. I feel bad because I really hate my middle name. But there's like a theme in my family for middle names. And I was, it, I have my aunt's middle name. and But I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much. And I was like, oh, I could change my middle name. I'll just have it be something with a J. Like I have a cousin whose name is Ashton Jazz. And I was like, what a fucking sweet middle name. He kept the J theme, yeah. and yet he's got a cool name. And I'm like, fuck. You could just make your middle name J. That's true. Like the letter J. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'll have to talk to my mom about it, because I don't want her to be offended by, like, changing the name that, you know, she gave me. It's your name. I know, I know, but still. 
What what if what if I die and then she's filling out paperwork and they're like, um, this is not this person's middle name. Well, she would find out what your name is after that's you true. Eventually, it. yeah. Okay. Well, so tonight, <laughs> my story for you actually isn't really paranormal. Okay. But it is a mystery. I love a mystery. So it's a nerd ass. All right, I'm in. Or maybe it's paranormal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so the reason why I say that is that most people don't believe that it's paranormal, but this topic is something that was actually inspired by the X-Files. All right, I'm in. So, you know, uh, which Steve and I have actually been watching over the last couple of months. So if you are an X-Files fan, I know you're going to get the reference. All right, so tonight I'm going to tell you about the mysterious death of Gloria Ramirez, a.k.a. the toxic lady. Do you know this story? I feel like I do. Like, isn't it, was this the lady who's, like, is it her blood that was toxic? Oh, they don't know. But there was something yes. where people yes, around yes, yes. her were getting sick. Yes. Right. Okay, 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 yes. I, I vaguely remember it, but it's been a while. All right. Well, on, we're going to go back in time. Okay. Back to the 90s. Back to uh, the 90s. This time, I think I would have been nine, if I'm doing the math correctly. <laughs> So on February 9th, 1994, wife and mother of two, Gloria Ramirez, was wheeled into the emergency room around 8.15 at Riverside General Hospital in Moreno Valley, California. Some six weeks earlier, the 31-year-old Riverside native had been diagnosed with late-stage cervical cancer. Oh. Yeah. Not long after, and due to her rapid uh, deterioration in health, she was placed under home-based care. Okay. Uh, on the night of February 9th, she developed chain stokes breathing, which chain stokes breathing, respiration, is a type of breathing disorder characterized by uh, cyclical episodes of apnea and hyperventilation. Oh, uh, that's... Okay. I know a few people that have apnea. Yes, I might be one of them. We'll see and, on Friday. Um, so I know several people that have apnea, which is scary all on its own. Yeah. But then you add in like hyperventilating with apnea. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, as someone who has asthma, like it is so scary not to be able to breathe. And also mm -hmm. someone who has a allergy that results in anaphylactic shock. Mm -hmm. So scary. So Gloria, with this chain stokes breathing situation, ended up going into cardiac arrhythmia or like heart palpitations, mm -hmm. which according to my sources is usually the sign of imminent death. Like for folks who are sick, this is just what they see right before they pass away. Her home caregiver called the ambulance though, and she was rushed to Riverside General Hospital for emergency life-saving efforts. Upon arriving, Gloria Ramirez could hardly breathe was only semi-conscious, and was answering questions in an incoherent sentences. Oh. She was immediately triaged, and doctors began administering the standard treatment for this situation to try and bring up her vital signs back to normal. First, an IV of Ringer's lactate solution, which is a standard procedure for stabilizing possible blood and electrolyte deficiencies. I learned so much about medical stuff during this story. <laughs> Next, the trauma team uh, sedated Ramirez with injections of diazepam, uh, midzolam, and lorazepam. See, you like you learned a lot about medical stuff just listening to you. These are all things I'm like, I heard that on Grey's Anatomy. I heard that <laughs> on Grey's Anatomy. I know I heard that on Grey's Anatomy. I have zero medical knowledge, but man... Grey's Anatomy makes me feel like I know a lot. <laughs> well, I know that diazepam and lorazepam are anxiety things, and I think I take lorazepam, so there's that. Uh, and thirdly, they began applying oxygen with an ampu bag, which is used to force purified air directly into the lungs rather than hooking up a regular on-demand oxygen supply. Mm -hmm. Approximately 15 minutes after her arrival, Gloria went into full cardiac arrest, and it was clear that they needed to jumpstart her heart. When the nurses removed her shirt to apply the defibrillator electrodes, they noticed a strange oily sheen on her body, Ugh. as well as noted a fruity, garlicky odor coming from her mouth. Fruity and garlicky. 
It sounds gross. It's a weird combo. I want to know what kind of fruit. What is it that you smell when you, when you can smell arsenic? Is it garlicky? I have no idea. Oh, there's there's a very specific smell that you smell, and only like sixty percent of the population can smell it. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. As part of the routine code blue procedure at the hospital, one nurse by the name of Susan Kane went to collect a syringe of blood, probably for an arterial blood gas determination. According to the source, obviously, I did not know that that was a thing. (laughs) But upon removing the syringe from Gloria Ramirez's body, Nurse Kane noted a foul ammonia-like odor emanating from the syringe tip. Ooh. Susan Kane handed the syringe to Maureen Welch, a respiratory therapist, and then Kane leaned closer to Ramirez to try and trace the source of the unusual odor. Welch also sniffed the syringe, which seems like a biohazard, but anyway. She sniffed the syringe and later agreed that there was an ammonia-like smell. Quote, it was like how rancid blood smells when people take chemotherapy treatment, Welch would say. I did not know chemotherapy treatment made your blood smell rancid. I didn't either, but that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you're attacking it with poison. Yeah. So Maureen Welch then turned the syringe over to Julie Gorchinsky, a medical resident who noticed a manila-colored particles floating in the blood. And also, like, yep, that smells like ammonia. And then Dr. Ocho, who was, you know, in the R and in charge also observed the particular peculiar particles and gave a fourth opinion that, in fact, the syringe smelled like ammonia. So the (laughs) syringe smells like ammonia. Everyone agrees. (laughs) In the meantime, while her coworkers were confirming the weird-smelling and odd-looking, you know, syringe of Gloria's blood, Nurse Kane stood up from her inspection of Mrs. Ramirez's body, who was still alive at the time, and then suddenly felt very faint. She attempted to leave the room, but before making it to the door, she passed out, being caught just in the nick of time to be saved from smashing her head on the floor. Oof. Yeah. Ouch. And then medical resident Julie Gorchinsky also fainted. The remaining ER staff put Julie on a gurney, and they were removing her from the room when respiratory therapist Maureen Welch also succumbed to the symptoms. By now... Nearly everyone in the R was feeling not great. I was going to say, succumb to the symptoms. Does that mean just feeling faint and like passing out? Basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Dr. Ocho, becoming rather faint himself, ordered everyone to get out of the ER. Staff, patients, they congregated in the hospital parking lot, wide open spaces, where they stripped off their clothes. Wide open spaces, room to make a big mistake, like... Passing out well on the job. <laughs> well, they they went out there so they wouldn't pass out on the job. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they got out to the parking lot, they stripped off all of their clothes and put them into hazmat bags because they're like, we don't know what is happening, but it's not good. Yeah, yeah. However, everyone just left Gloria Ramirez on the stretcher in the ER because they assumed that she was the cause of it. They can't take it with her. Um, so a second emergency response team suited up in hazmat PPE and went in to give her whatever help that they could. Mm-hmm. The team continued administering CPR for 45 minutes until 8.50 when 31-year-old Gloria Ramirez was declared dead. Well, and you know, that's that makes sense. If there's one, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, common... If there's one common factor, yes, then, you know, you do what you got to do. You send in the people as soon as you can. But, yeah, right. they couldn't have taken her with because then it would have just resulted in more people being affected. Exactly. And they didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So taking all the precautions that they could, the team then sealed Gloria's body up in multi-layers of body shroud and sealed it in an aluminum casket, after which it was placed in an isolated section of the morgue. The hospital then had a specially trained hazmat team comb the ER for traces of whatever substance had been released that caused so many odd effects on so many people. Mm -hmm. And they found nothing. They couldn't, they're like, there's no gas leak, there's no nothing. I don't understand. 
at the same time as all of this, the other Riverside Hospital's staff had to treat the folks that were in the emergency room with Gloria. So overall, 23 people became ill and five of them were hospitalized, including Susan Kane, Julie Gorzinski, and Maureen Welch. And of these, Julie suffered the worst and actually spent two weeks detoxifying in intensive care. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So the press dubbed Ramirez the toxic lady because no one could go near her without a slew of mysterious physical responses. But no one could also point out the definitive cause of death. See, when you call people toxic, like, I get it. But this is what it really means to be yeah, toxic. Yeah, she's literally toxic. <laughs> Nearly a week later, the first of three autopsies were conducted on Gloria Ramirez. This was completed in a special room with three pathologists donning hazmat suits. 90 minutes later, they exited the sealed and airtight examination room with samples of Gloria Ramirez's blood and tissues, along with air from within the shrouds and the sealed aluminum casket. So they caught the air just to see it, what, what vapors were coming off of Yeah, her. that's smart. That's smart. And the toxicology report from the samples collected revealed nothing. Oh, that's frustrating. There was nothing found in Gloria Ramirez's blood that would explain the reaction that the ER staff experienced. And all three pathologists agreed that her cause of death was caused by cardiac arrest, brought on by kidney failure, resulting from stage four cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. So she didn't die from any sort of mysterious poison. She died from natural causes. She She died from what they knew she was already suffering from. Suffering from, yes. Exactly. And the Riverside coroner agreed. Cardiac arrest, brought on by kidney failure, resulting from stage four cervical cancer. There was no evidence that whatever caused the toxic fumes caused Gloria's death. But while there was no correlation between Gloria's death and whatever the toxic substance was, a lot of public pressure was put on the hospital to identify what the substance was and ways that this could be avoided in the future. Fair. Apparently, the hospital had had some complaints against it a couple of years ago. Okay. But when the hazmat team went through, they couldn't find anything that would have caused this. Did they examine the blood that they were talking about from the syringe? Yes. The ammonia blood? They found nothing. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. Per an article written by Gary Rogers in December of 2022... Quote, the coroner worked with the hospital, the health department, the toxicology lab, and Gloria Ramirez's family to come up with some sort of reasonable conclusion. The Ramirez family had no clue, no suspicions whatsoever of any foreign substance Ramirez had ingested or been exposed to that could have triggered such a toxic effect. The toxicology lab was at its wits end, and they'd never seen a case like this, let alone heard of one. Unquote. So... The toxicology lab was like, this is unprecedented. Side note, this article that was written by Gary Rogers, who was a former coroner, uh, which will be linked to my sources on the website because I'm starting to get caught up. Kayla's been updating them for me. <laughs> uh, was one of my main sources. Yeah. So good on it, Gary. Uh, as well as an article by All That's Interesting Wikipedia and GasDetection.com. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so a more thorough autopsy was conducted on March 25th, nearly six weeks after the incident. And that team concluded that there were signs of Tylenol, lidocaine, codeine, and I'm going to call it Tigan, T-I-G-A-N. Okay. Tigan in her system. Apparently Tigan is an anti-nausea medication and it breaks down into um, amines in the body. And the amines are related to ammonia which could explain the ammonia smell in Ramirez's blood sample at the hospital. Yeah. Meanwhile, while more tests were being conducted on the body itself, the county's health department appointed a two-person team of medical research professionals to interview every person exposed to the ER and the surrounding area on February 9th, 1994. Per Gary Rogers, former coroner, uh, they profiled people so closely that they even cross-compared what everyone did or didn't have for dinner that night. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. However, when none of their research resulted in a definitive answer, 
And after the hazmat team had found no source of the noxious gas, the team concluded that it was simply mass hysteria. Honestly, this whole time, like as you've been talking about the results of their testing, uh-huh. I've just been thinking like, you know what? It sounds like uh, the power of suggestion to me. This whole group of people thinks they smell ammonia. What does an overwhelming ammonia smell do? It makes you pass out. And so one person's like, oh, I feel faint. And then all of a sudden everybody starts like, fainting. oh, I feel faint. And, 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 like, that's that's what I was kind of thinking. So mass hysteria, you know, that's that does seem like the most logical explanation from what you've been saying. That's so interesting. I never would have thought of that. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously those 23 people just imagined that they had been sick that night and they said had such vivid imaginations that they actually willed themselves into intensive care. I, it's, things happen, man. It's just hypochondria to the extreme. It's like when you test a bunch of, you know, college kids with placebos by giving them any beer but telling them it's full alcoholic. They start acting drunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the power of suggestion or mass hysteria, depending on which. But how many ev- people are involved? How many, pe- like, how many of these people, they're medical professionals, right. have been around the ammonia smell? If you've ever been around a strong ammonia smell, it makes you feel like you're going to pass out. So all of a sudden they're all smelling this blood and they've seen this sheen of a weird oil on this and they're they're getting all these weird you know vibes from this person who came in sick and you find this one common denominator if there's nothing else that links them like they've not finding anything from the tests right they didn't all eat you know the same bad food like all of these different things mass hysteria is the most logical explanation well huh this one a different way than i thought Well, let me continue on with the story and let's okay. see what everyone I'm else thinks. I'm sorry. That, that was just like, that was where my brain was going that whole time you were, you were talking. Okay. Again, this was inspired by X-Files, so that's not where my brain went. <laughs> the first time I heard this story, I thought of X-Files, so that's immediately where I was. Anyway. <laughs> Mass hysteria. Potentially. Uh, but something wasn't sitting right with a coroner about this. Uh, he had enlisted the help of the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories. LLNL. Linnell. Just outside of San Francisco. Linnell. Now, the Lawrence Livermore wasn't initially in the medical or toxicology business. They were actually nuclear weapons makers during the Cold War. Well, shit. But that ended, so they branched out. <laughs> Into healthcare. Creating the Forensic <laughs> Science Center at LLNL. The Forensic Science Center's director, a man named Brian Anderson, took on the case. He was given all of the biological samples from Ramirez's autopsy, as well as the air-trapped containers. And by using a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer otherwise known as a CG-MS, obviously. Obviously. He found traces of dimethyl sulfoxide, DMSO, in Ramirez's system. Okay. And although there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of it, it was at least something. Now, dimethyl (laughs) sulfoxide on its own is stable and harmless. And it does actually naturally occur in our bodies as it breaks down like certain substances. And once it enters the body, though, it disappears relatively quickly. Like it has a half-life of just three days. However, there was so much in Gloria Ramirez's system that it's still registered at three times the normal amount six weeks following her death. Oh, wow. So, side note of important information. Hashtag fun fact, one could say. Back in the 1960s, the FDA approved the use of this DMSO as a medicine for pain treatment. And it was heavily adopted by the athletic world as like a miracle drug for sports injuries. Okay. But then the FDA abruptly dropped the DMSO program when they realized that prolonged use could make people go blind. Yeah, that's not good. No. 
So the theory was that Gloria was self-administering the DMSO, which can be found at a hardware store as a, uh, a degreasing agent used for automobiles. But degreaser. I love degreaser. It's so magic. Okay. Well, you can put it on your body and maybe it still has some DMSO. I get it on my hands sometimes and it's not comfortable. So no, I don't think I'd do that. Not anymore? Okay. No. Uh, but the degreasing agent is heavily concentrated version of the DMSO compared to what was allowed by the FDA. So it's like super not safe. Yes, it might contain that, but it will make you go blind for sure. Good to know. So to combat her pain from cervical cancer... Brian Anderson theorized she was self-administering DMSO and her body went, then went into distress because it was too high of a concentration. She was brought to the hospital where they gave her oxygen, which then caused the DMSO to chemically change from dimethyl sulfide to dimethyl sulfone, DMSF. Okay. Which is fine because DMSF is commonly found in plants. Oh, you made it sound like it was this big, like, yeah, and it became this. But then. It was a toxic cloud of this thing that they find in plants. But then they gave her more oxygen because they obviously gave her oxygen when they picked her up in the ambulance. Then they brought her to the hospital. They gave her more oxygen, which, again, changed the composition of the chemical, turning it into dimethyl sulfate, which emits terrible toxic gas offs. Okay. But it, it, we had to go through a couple of steps of oxygen before we could get to the, the toxic one. Left of Skeptic brings you chemistry for beginners. <laughs> Quote, the amplified oxygenation turned the self-medicating dimethyl sulfoxide Ramirez was taking into dimethyl sulfoxone, sulfoxone, which morphed into the noxious emission <laughs> dimethyl sulfa sulfate. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you get it. Uh, except a lot of scientists actually disagreed. And some of those scientists were world-class toxicologists who said that it was chemically impossible for hospital-administered oxygen to set off this reaction. They're like, this is stupid. This is not enough oxygen. So basically they're like, all right, well, this guy who used to make nukes was like, this is what happened. And then these actual toxicologists were like, you're fucking stupid, bro. Yeah, maybe maybe in the amount of like quantities that he would have used to yeah. make nuclear weapons. But they're like, this is a fucking hospital. <laughs> they don't use that much oxygen. <laughs> no. So... Between those folks who are like, oh, my God, are you stupid? And Gloria Ramirez's family, who said she was not self-medicating with DMSO, uh, they're, they're like, this isn't real. Again, small amounts of DMSO is found in the human body, and it could be assumed that due to her terminal illness and the resulting complications, I saw something about blockage, that this is why it was found at a higher level than normal. Okay. But also the DMSO. It's not bad. It just was a little bit higher than normal. Okay, okay. So back to the drawing board. The next idea that they have was maybe it was methylamine. Methylamine? Methylamine? <laughs> sure. Is that a thing? I don't know. It just sounds, sounds slightly much better. better. <laughs> it just, your description sounds like a llama on meth. It does. <laughs> I'm just waiting for my sister to send me a text because she's like an actual scientist. She's going to be like, first of all, you're explaining this 100% wrong. <laughs> Second of all, you're not even close to how these things are pronounced. <laughs> so, wait, how did you pronounce it? Methylamine? I, I would have put it like as methylamine. Methylamine. That's what we're going to call it. If that's not what it's called, you guys get it. You get You get it. So methylamine is used as a cleaning agent as well as notoriously for biological terrorism and for cooking meth. Right. Yeah. So multi-use. Multi-use. Yeah. yeah. So according to the New Times LA, an alternative theory of what happened to make the toxic lady toxic was ran in an article that said that the Riverside County was one of the largest methamphetamine manufacturing and distributing points in America. 
and Riverside hospital workers had been smuggling out methylamine to sell to meth cookers. God fucking damn it. Yeah. Piece so of shit. hospitals routinely use methylamine as a disinfectant in cleaning agents as well as um, using it to sterilize surgical instruments. So someone at the hospital, this is the theory, someone at the hospital put the cleaning agent into an IV bag so that they could transfer it out to sell it to people who make meth. However, the IV bag was accidentally misplaced. It ended up in the ER where it was then attached to Gloria Ramirez. That seems like a stretch. Then, once they administered the oxygen, it turned into gas and it made everyone around her sick. This, however, is just a theory based upon the assumption that folks at the Riverside Hospital were, in fact, smuggling out this chemical so that people could make meth. Okay. And in the article, they didn't say whether or not they got this as, like, an inside tip or how they came to this conclusion. They just decided that this is obviously what's happening. It's literally just an assumption based on what could have maybe possibly happened. Exactly. So it's just a theory and not one that can be physically proven. So in the end. It doesn't even matter, like Lincoln Park said. Exactly. It doesn't even matter. So in the end, 29 years later, we still don't know for certain what made the toxic lady toxic. (laughs) In the end, we don't know what made the toxic lady toxic. Was it uh, like nature versus nurture? Like my brain is going to like just toxic Parents. people being toxic. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it was it was the way that they grew up. It just became toxic. Um, so okay, you brought up a really good idea with the mass hysteria. However, I feel like her body really did show things that were odd. But what? But why do you feel that they? We should? don't know. But no, all I could think I'm of was- saying, why do you think that whatever she's saying was odd? Like what? What? What makes you? think that it's odd that's a very good point because all of this was based upon the potential mass hysteria that's what i'm (laughs) that's what i'm saying i'm gonna say on a skeptic scale i'm just gonna call this a nerd ass that's what i said yep you were right it was a miss it's still a mystery oh it's absolutely weird that we don't know it's a mystery but it's a medical mystery it's a medical mystery like it's not a paranormal mystery. It's definitely a medical mystery. Look, I'm just saying, there are many situations in the TV show, the classic hit X-Files, where people's blood causes things that were essentially the same effects as ammonia. Gas. I'm just saying that there are, Stuff. now watching it as an adult several times that I have done now. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely some things where I'm like, Mulder, that's a stretch. Just fucking listen to Scully. Just, just Scully agreed. Scully knew what was happening. She even saved someone's life because of the information she found out after Mulder had been d- d- I wasn't d- exposed talking about, to it. I wasn't talking about this episode specifically. I'm just saying like, oh, okay. there are yeah, many yeah, yeah. episodes that you watch as an adult now. And at the, at, as, as a kid, you're like, yeah. Dude, like he's got a point. Why is it like this? There's so many and plot then, holes. <laughs> and then Scully offers several logical explanations, and Mulder's like, "Can't be," but his he doesn't actually give a justification for why it can't be. No, a lot of times, as as an adult, I definitely um, I'm like, well, some of the times I'm like, Scully, that's a stretch. It almost seems more likely to be aliens than whatever the fuck you just said. But a lot of times, I'm like. Mulder, there are so many plot holes here. What are we doing? What are we doing? I'd say more times than not, I agree with Mulder. Yeah. But there's every once in a while where you're like, Scully, Scully, come on. (laughs) Like, you're right. You saw them. No, Scully, you're right. Like, come on. Just, like, (laughs) work a little harder to convince Mulder. Like, you're not trying very hard, and he's just not listening. I guess. Right. I guess at this point, maybe. Yeah. She, maybe maybe she at that point, Scully just checked out. She's like, "Here's my logical explanation." He's like, "Nope." And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> okay." You know what? At least I get a free trip to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, all their trips are staying in the best places. <laughs> I um. Yeah. Honestly, I think this is a nerd ass. I, you know, God, God damn it, Kayla. 
What? For making such a good case of the mass hysteria. <laughs> I was like, ooh, mass hysteria. But now, like, okay. <laughs> Whatever. It was an interesting story. No, it was, it was a very mis- interesting. It's still a mystery. It is a. It is and a, it could be aliens. It, I'm just saying. But a, I don't think that it probably is. <laughs> it is a definite medical mystery. If that had shown up on an episode of Grey's Anatomy, that would have gotten the residents the sparkle pager. I don't know what that means. Sarah will. She gets it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and again, I apologize to my sister, who is an actual chemist, for just destroying all of those words. But you know what I'm talking about, obviously. You're a chemist. You get it. <laughs> all right. If you have any paranormal stories you'd like to share, locations you'd like to suggest, or uh, corrections on our pronunciation that you'd like to throw out there, any of those things, you can do so by emailing us at leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit us online at www.leftofskeptic.com and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page, or you can click the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your, you know, your name, whatever, or a fake name, whatever you feel more comfortable with. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also find us on social media. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, thank you all for joining us for another Spooky Wednesday. We love you and appreciate you. It's so true. We do. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!